Welcome to Unstoppable Faith. Uh, this is our dog, Dr. Kazumba Charles here. I'm glad you continue to watch this program all around the world. It's an honor and a privilege to bring you the word, testimonies, you know, from around the world right into your home. Today's program, I have a very special guest that is on the program, Tade Nellis is going to be sharing on uh, circumstances that led to him to rob the bank. This uh, man of God has written a book, which you will see on your screen. I got a copy here, Journey to Redemption. But I like the, you know, the, the subtitle, uh, Small Time Pool, Small Time Pool Asla, Convicted Bank Robber, Born Again Christian. Stay tuned and we will be right back. Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. Let me welcome my guest on this program today. My goodness, welcome to the program. It's wonderful to be here, Kazumba. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, it was just, uh, you know, God's divine intervention that we would meet and do this program. Absolutely. We, we saw your storefront, the, the, the window, and I was showing my wife around town, and we just came over out of curiosity to see what was going on inside, and you waved us in, you were very excited, very passionate about God and the things of God, and here we are. But you're the one who, 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 who caused me to be that passionate after I heard your testimony. So there are two <laughs> testimonies here. Uh, initially, there was a testimony of you gradu graduating from high school. From high school, that's right. We're going to get to that. That's right. Because that's your age. You, that inspired me. I forgot we even talked about that, but there you go. That was the main reason. I was like, wow, I'm interested in that. Excited. An old guy going to high school. My goodness. Now, and then, uh, and then uh, you know, you had a few copies of your book, and then I looked yeah. at it. I was like, what? Convicted bank yeah. robber. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite a journey. We want to hear that journey. Our guests and our viewers around the world want to hear that journey. Uh, so the first question would be, uh, as a teen, what are some of the circumstances that led you to rob the bank? Sure. Um, you know, looking back in my youth, uh, teen and, and certainly preteen, I don't remember a time that I was not stealing, shoplifting, uh, boosting. I just, I, that was just always a part of my life. I don't really know where that came from, why that was, but, but growing up, I was always intrigued and, and uh, excited to steal. Going into my teen years, I, I fell into bad company. We all, we all know how powerful the people around us can be. What, what excitement? I'm just going to jump in because this is, this is interesting. Yeah. Just excited to steal. Like, 
what is it that drove you just to steal? Not getting caught, doing, doing something that I, I knew I was not supposed to do, and the thrill of walking out of, store, out of a store with something in my pockets that I knew did not belong to me. And I, uh, as a young guy, I don't think I even looked at it as stealing. I don't think I looked at it as right or wrong, as it was so much just the thrill of, of doing something that I, that I was trying to get away with something. And um, I, don't, I don't fully understand it now. I'm 60 years old, and, and, and I'll, this, is, this is a lifetime ago, 50 years ago, that I was stealing and shoplifting. I don't fully understand it now, but, it, but I, was, um, I was determined at a young age to be a criminal. Wow. Now, run the tip force. Now, circumstances that led you to rob the bank. Nobody thinks that way. I'm going to no. go into the bank no. and just rob them. Share with no. us that. Yeah, that was, that was a long time coming because um, I, had, uh, I had quit school when I was 16. I was really a terrible, terrible student in school and high school. Just didn't work for me at all. It was not an environment that I thrived in in any way. And um, I began hanging around downtown a lot in my hometown and small town in southern Ontario. And, uh, and um, downtown became my home away from home. Um, and my new adopted family, uh, uh, as it were, 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 were a family of, of criminals. And wow. these, these were the people that I was hanging around. And so... Um, you know, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about bad company corrupting our habits, and so I, I just fell into a life of uh, crime on and off. Uh, at 16, I was living on my own and um, living a very much a day-to-day -day existence, um, stealing, stealing and robbing stores in the downtown core of my hometown, and just really making enough to exist for a couple of days. And then I would be broke again. I was sleeping under a bridge for a while and sleeping in alleys and just really living that kind of a life. And, uh, and I began to travel around uh, Canada, around Western Canada, starting when I was 17. Um, hustling pool, and as the subtitle on my yes. book says, small-time pool hustler. I was, uh, I was a pretty good pool player, and this is back in the 70s, mm -hmm. a long time ago, 40 years ago. Um, a, a person could make some money on the pool table. I was a gambler, and wow. so I, um, I had been getting in and out of trouble with the law in my hometown, um, involved in criminal activity, and I thought I should leave town for a while. And I was just 17 when all this was going on. So I started making my way across Western Canada hustling pool, going through Alberta, British Columbia, Saskatchewan and whatnot. And, um, and I did that for a couple of years, from 17 to about 19 and a half. I was living in halfway houses, single men's hostels, really a, a terrible life. Wow. And um, again, living day to day and still stealing here and there, but not as much, just really relying on the pool table to make some money. Mm -hmm. I did this till I was 19. And, and I just got tired. You know, that it's, it's a lifestyle that wears a person down fast. Yes, that's true. It's just never knowing where I was going to sleep and, 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 and eat and whatnot. And, um, and I woke up in a single men's hostel in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, yes. one day, 19 years old, tired of the way I'd been living, tired of my life. And I said to the gentleman beside me, and on the cot beside me in the hostel, you know what? Why don't we just rob a bank? Wow. Wow. And we did. Wow. It was not planned. I didn't see this coming. When I said it to the gentleman beside me, whom I'd only known for a couple of weeks, 
um, in the hostel, when I said it, I was, all, I was half joking. Mm. I was serious, but I was half joking. half joking. He took it very seriously. He said, let's do it. Did you ever watch movies of robbing a bank or as a teenager or something? I did. I, I did. I saw the old gangster movies growing up, Jimmy Cagney and Humphrey Bogart and, and, and whatnot. But I, this was not planned, and this was way out of my league. I was, wow. When I was a, a stealing, I mean, I, I was a small-time thief. I was never part of a gang. I was never part of a crew. Mm -hmm. I didn't pull big scores. Mm -hmm. I was just, just, just nickel and dime stuff. And so this, this was very much just in the moment. It came from a place of desperation. I didn't like who I was, how I was living, where I was going. And, and in a moment of desperation, let's just rob a bank. To my surprise, my friend said yes. And so we, uh, within about two days of saying that, we walked around Calgary, downtown Calgary, and looked for a bank that felt right to us, whatever that means. I don't even know what that yeah. means. <laughs> how does it ever feel right? Yes. But we found, we found a bank that suited us. 8th Avenue Mall in Calgary, and we chose it because it, it, it's in a big, it's still there, it's in a big outdoor walking mall in Calgary. Mm -hmm. Cars cannot get in and out, mm -hmm. and uh, we didn't have a getaway car, so we needed time to get away on foot, and we thought, if we get out of that bank with the money, we'll be lost in a sea of people yes. in seconds. Mm -hmm. Police can't drive in, mm -hmm. so by the time the police get to the bank, we'll be, we'll be long gone in the crowd, mm -hmm. and that's what happened. We, um, we went in, we were not armed. Um, handed the teller a note, we got the money, and we walked out of that bank. Minutes later, several... What did, what did you write on the note to the teller? Yeah, this is, this, this is a, uh, a robbery. I have a gun. My hand was in the inside of my jacket, mm -hmm. um, pantomiming that, I, that I'm holding a gun. And um, this is a holdup. I have a gun. Um, please give me your money. Wow. And, uh, and she did. And my, and my partner was right beside me, the teller beside her, doing the same thing. So these two tellers to my partner and I were putting, we, and, we, and I handed her a bag. Mm -hmm. She was putting all the money in the bag. And minutes later, we walked out of the bank, bags full of money in the inside of our coat pocket. And uh, we, were, we were at least a half a mile away before we started hearing sirens and wow. the police making their way to the bank. And we were gone. What I... What I failed to do was take my note back. The note that I wrote the message on to the teller mm -hmm. had my fingerprints on it, and I oh had a criminal goodness. record. Yes. And so I left in my haste to get out of the bank. I left that note behind. I knew it was only a matter of time. They, yeah. The police would have that note. They would run the fingerprints mm -hmm. and match me up. And so my partner was very excited that we got away. Yeah. I was not so excited. Wow, because you knew. I knew we're on borrowed time, and, and, and we were. Um, about six or seven weeks later, we were broke. We only got a few thousand dollars. Wow. We were broke, partying, just partying and drinking and carrying on. Uh, we were in Ontario. We had gone after robbing the bank. We had hopped on a train. We're back in Ontario, and um, we were we were broke. And I said, he said, what are we going to do now? I said, we're going to rob another bank. My goodness. And and so we did, but it wasn't just any bank. It was my mother and father's bank. That's where they were banking. That's where they did. They didn't own the bank. That's where they did their banking. It was a small town. Everyone knew them, and oh uh, it was my mother and father's bank. Walk us through that, robbery now. You know, I'll tell you, my partner, same partner, he, he, he did not want to do this. Mm -hmm. Something in his conscience just said, Ted, this, this is not right. Were, you know, your mother and father. But I was determined to do this, and. Um, Again, the bank seemed like it was in a good location. 
there's a university right across the street, a university campus right across the street mm -hmm. from the bank. And I thought the same way that we got lost in the outdoor mall in Calgary, we could get lost again on campus. We would get into the bank, rob it, walk out with the money, and we would be lost on this university campus in minutes. By the time the police got there, we would just be one of thousands of students walking around on campus. I was only um, in my early 20s. Or actually, I was, I was in my early 20s when I got out of prison. I got ahead of myself. I was only 19 at the time. Mm -hmm. And when I robbed this second bank, I had a, a backpack on and a baseball hat. I very much looked like a university student. Wow. And I would just blend in with thousands of other students walking around on campus with my backpack. Mine would be full of money. And um, and I thought we would just lay low on campus, have a bite to eat, have a have a beer, wait for things to die down, and then leave town. But it didn't go that way. Uh, How did it go? How it did they catch up to you? It didn't go well at all. Um, we did we did get the money, but seconds after leaving the bank, um, the bank manager ran outside, and he said, "Hold it." And I mean, in a million years, I would not have counted on this bank manager chasing us. Wow! He chased us. The other thing that I failed to mention was the bank, not only was it where my mother and father did their banking, mm -hmm. they lived a block away oh my from the bank, which is where we holed up and hid after robbing the bank. We robbed wow. my mom and dad's bank, and then we hid in their house. This bank manager chased us. We lost him in the neighborhood. So there was a, there was a chase going on through the neighborhood. We hopped over hedges and whatnot, and we lost him. Wow. And we were hiding in my mother and father's home. And there were police everywhere, all over the neighborhood, knocking on doors and, and whatnot. And they were knocking on the door we were hiding in. We didn't answer, obviously. We were hiding down the basement with all the lights out. But that day, my mother never came. My mother worked at the campus mm -hmm. that I was going to hide out mm -hmm. with the money. Wow. Talk about too close to home. Wow. I mean, it's just, just terrible. And uh, that day, she came home from work. Mm -hmm. She never came home from work early. She came home from work at lunchtime to get something. And there was me, her son, with my partner in crime, hiding in the basement of the home. Money from the bank we had just robbed all over the place. We were oh counting goodness. it. And um, she turned the light on. And I said, turn the light off, turn the light off. And she, um, she looked at me. She looked at the money. And when she came home, she saw the police everywhere, obviously, all over the neighborhood. Near, near the, the neighborhood. All over the place. Cop cars everywhere. News reporters. Mm -hmm. Everything going on. And she said, she, she pointed outside to all the commotion. And she said, this is about you, isn't it? And I said, yes. Yes, it is. She said, what have you done? And I said, Mom, I've just robbed the bank, your bank. My goodness. That was a terrible, terrible scene. Now, did your mom knew your past ways of stealing and she just felt you were the one who did this? She knew. She knew that I had been in trouble on and off uh, in my teen years and, and our relationship had been, been on and off. My relationship with my parents was not good at that time because of the way I'd been living for years and, and whatnot. And so um, when she came home and saw all the commotion in the neighborhood, I think before she even got to her own house, I think she was she was worried that I'd done something, wow. and um, and so she she I told her what I had done, what had happened, and I said, "Mom, the police are going to leave sooner or later. When they do, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get on a bus and leave town." And I apologized to her for all the things that I had done, and I said, "Mom, 
you will never ever see me again. I'm just going to get on a bus and get out of town, and you will never see me again. And um, I had put her in a terrible position because because now she's aiding and abetting a felon. Now wow. now 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 she's she's helping hide mm -hmm. a criminal. Yes. Um, the next thing I knew that we were in the basement, she ran outside, and I could hear her voice screaming seconds later, don't shoot him, don't shoot him, he's my son. Wow. Because I guess after I had said that, she burst into tears, mm -hmm. and she went upstairs. She went outside and told the police officers the guy they're looking for is in her house. Wow. And they immediately um, drew their guns because uh, they didn't know if I was armed or not, and, um, and moments later... Um, Many, many police officers stormed into the house, guns drawn, and um, an officer, I was sitting downstairs, you know, put his loaded gun right, right at me, and he said, don't you move. I was caught. And that's when they caught you now. Um, at this point, did you ever hear about the gospel, Jesus, Christianity? No. Nothing? Nothing. So no. they take you to prison? Yes. Walk us through life, your life in prison. Uh, because you've gone into mm -hmm. prison, mm -hmm. you don't know God, mm -mm. you don't know Jesus here, you are down now in prison. Walk us through that. So I was sentenced to five years in prison. And uh, I was sentenced to, uh, to Kingston Penitentiary. Uh, for those who don't know, in, uh, in Ontario, federal institution in Ontario, Canada. And... Uh, and uh, at that time, one of the oldest and certainly the most violent uh, federal penitentiaries in Canada. And, uh, and when I was processed into Kingston, I was the youngest inmate in the penitentiary at that time. This was in 1979. I was 19 years old. And, um, and this, is, this, is, this is my first time in a prison, the youngest guy in there, a very violent prison. So I was very fearful of my life, of course. I had great concerns. And, um, and I thought, well, this is, this is going to be my home for the next five years. Um, and I, and I, there was a part of me, it's, it sounds strange, but there was a part of me that was relieved. Mm -hmm. Because I had been so unhappy with the way I'd been living for, with for so long, mm -hmm. that I was kind of relieved that it was over. Um, I wasn't running anymore. I wasn't living mm -hmm. on the street anymore. I wasn't living this, this terrible day-to-day -day existence. Um, my life had been heading this way forever. As I'd said, I had always been stealing as a young guy. So there was a part of me that was relieved. That I was that I was there in that prison, and uh, and there was also a part of me that I just assumed that my 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 days would come to an end in there. Mm -hmm. In my mind, it wasn't if I'm going to be harmed or killed; it was when, and I just resigned myself to that. Uh, not not out of any kind of 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 a courageous act. I wasn't a tough guy. I wasn't yeah. a tough criminal. I wasn't. It wasn't me being being tough in there. And I, I was I was afraid. But uh, I just assumed that uh, that my days would end in there, but they did not. Mm -hmm. They did not. And uh, so now you are in prison. Um, what led you or motivated you to start attending some chapel services mm -hmm. in, um, in, in, in the prison? Mm -hmm. Like uh, who just told you, come into the service? Yeah, so on Sundays, I noticed on Sundays... Mm -hmm. Uh, Sunday was the, was the day of the weekend there that um, there was no work. You didn't, you know, inmates always had a job. We all had a job. We'd either go to school or go to work. Sunday was a down day. And I noticed on Sundays, men walking in the common area, going somewhere with a Bible in their hand. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
and only on Sunday. And I noticed that. Where, where is everybody going with a Bible? And so I, I asked someone, what's, what's, what's happening? And, and the individual told me there was a chapel service on Sunday morning and invited me to come. And he just invited me to come. He said, you might really enjoy it. And so that's what got me going to chapel services in prison. This was now in Collins Bay Penitentiary, which is in the city of, of Kingston. Um, and so in Collins Bay Penitentiary, I began going to chapel services on Sunday morning. To be honest, what, what I really enjoyed about the chapel services was that it was in a separate building on the grounds, on the grounds of the prison. There were no, it was a beautiful little chapel building. There were no bars in the windows. Wow. There was all the coffee you could drink, mm -hmm. and there were visiting visiting guests and choirs and speakers all the time, wow. and so there were a lot of females in the choir. Yeah. Here I am sitting in prison, free coffee, mm -hmm. no bars on the windows, mm -hmm. and lots of lots of females around, yeah. who who were very kind <laughs> and very yes. nice. Yes. And this is this was just a great environment yeah. to be in. Uh -huh. It was a real break in the routine from being in the in inside the prison, the, the regular lockup. So I started going, mm -hmm. but, I, but the messages got inside. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember his name, mm -hmm. the, the chaplain, the senior chaplain. I can't remember his name, mm -hmm. but I remember his face. Mm -hmm. And we talked several times. And he, was, he just was a very kind, decent, respectful person. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking even then, why would he come in here? And talk to us guys. Why would he? Why would this 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 gentleman want to spend all his time in this prison talking to guys like me? It couldn't be the money. He was a chaplain. He couldn't have been making very much. What was his motivation for coming in and spending time with guys like me? He talked about God's love and that he loved us in Christ. And I, I didn't understand it because I didn't grow up in a church. I didn't really know what he was saying, but I did understand that he was genuine. Mm -hmm. He was sincere. He was a sincere man of God. And the things that he said to me in, in person and in private, one-to-one, -one, and the things that he shared from the pulpit, they got inside. Mm -hmm. Seeds were planted. I didn't understand a lot of it, mm -hmm. but I believed it. Mm. I believed it. Mm. And one, he often gave altar calls, if not every, uh, if not every service. And after one service, he invited Anyone who would like to come forward and give their life to Christ, I invite you to do that now. And I did go forward one Sunday morning. Wow. I can tell you, I was shaking from head to toe. Wow. I, it felt like there was a little earthquake going on inside of me. I didn't know if it was excitement or fear of what I was about to do or what other inmates might think. I was afraid of looking weak, kind of, you know, yes. in there, in that yes. environment. Afraid of what people would say, but I went forward. Mm -hmm. And a couple of people got around me and put their hands on my shoulder, and he prayed a prayer of salvation for me. Mm -hmm. And I did ask Jesus into my life at that time. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just, I could barely, I remember I could barely stand. Mm -hmm. I was just sweating buckets and mm -hmm. shaking from head to toe, and I did invite Christ into my life at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but when I left, when I was paroled out of prison a couple of years later, I, uh, I walked away from it all. I, I thanked God for being there, yeah. but I'm good now. Because you are out of the prison. I'm out of prison. So, life after prison. And uh, I want you to give us a brief on uh, life after prison and uh, how and when you surrendered your life now to Jesus for good. For real. And for real. Walk us through that. That was a long time. I kept the Lord waiting a long time. Yes. I, um, so I was paroled out of prison when I was 21. Mm -hmm. 
And so that time in prison that I gave my life to Christ, I was around 20 then. Um, it wouldn't be until another 16, 17 years later that I did it for real. <laughs> and uh, my life after prison, it was a funny thing because I'm a... As the years went on, I never did go back to prison. Yeah, I, hate, I, I hated prison life. Praise God. I've often said, it, it's a quote on the back of my mm -hmm. book, and I've said it so many mm -hmm. times in speaking, and I mean it, and I meant it then. I didn't stop robbing banks because I became a nice guy. Yeah. I just hated being in prison. Wow. If I'd known for sure that I would never get caught again when I was mm -hmm. paroled, mm -hmm. I would have kept robbing banks. Yes. If I'd known 100% that I would never get caught, mm -hmm. I would, have, I would have carried on because I didn't know how to do anything else. Yes. I didn't yes. have an education. I didn't have a trade. I'd been living on the streets or in prison for five, six years at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, I was only 21 when I was paroled out, but I felt 40. Mm -hmm. um, I would have just kept on. But I, but I just hated prison life. It's just a terrible existence. And I had to find a way to, to, to make life work for me somehow, to, to figure out a way to make a living and, and just to live a normal life, whatever that meant. I didn't even know what that was a normal life, but I, did, I knew I just didn't want to go back to prison. Mm -hmm. In my mid-20s, just a few years after being paroled out, I started a janitorial business mm -hmm. in my mid-20s that, that really took off and did quite well. Soon after that, I was married. I had three kids. And, uh, and within a few years of starting my business, I was making well over 100000 a year mm -hmm. in the cleaning business and bought a house. I had a nice home and a couple of new cars in the driveway. Now I had a family and, and three children. I was in my, my early 30s at this point. And um, by all appearances, I looked like I was doing okay. Mm -hmm. And people who knew me back in the day would see me and say, Boy, Ted, you've really come a long way. Mm -hmm. You put your past behind you, but it's a funny thing. As the years went by, my past haunted me mm -hmm. more and more and more. Your past haunted you more and more and more. It haunted me, and it, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't escape from it. I was full of dread mm -hmm. and regret mm -hmm. at the way I had lived in my young years, people I had hurt. I'd hurt myself. I'd hurt mm -hmm. my parents terribly and those around me. And as the years were, so here I am now in my 30s. Mm -hmm. living a fairly successful life mm -hmm. but I was very unhappy inside and I was I was a heavy drinker I was an alcoholic by then I was working the only reason I made that money is because I was working 80 to 100 hours a week wow. I never saw my family I never saw my kids mm -hmm. I was I was a workaholic alcoholic I thought being a good dad mm -hmm. meant buying my kids the latest toy mm -hmm. as long as I was making good money yeah. and had a roof over their head mm -hmm. and was buying them the newest Xbox or yeah. the newest game mm -hmm. And as long as I was buying my wife a new car, that meant I was a good husband. Mm -hmm. and of course, we know that's not true no, at all. That's not it, all it did was leave me empty. Mm -hmm. and, and so going into my mid-30s, this is a dozen or so years after being out of prison, mm -hmm. I was very unhappy. I was a workaholic alcoholic. I was going to work one day, hungover and tired as I often was. And I, I stopped at a coffee shop in my neighborhood that I stopped into every day to get a cup of coffee on the way to work. Mm -hmm. And that particular day, there was a poster on the door of the coffee shop and and there was a picture of a person on that poster that I recognized on top of the poster it said weekend of compassion come hear the incredible testimony of Serge Leclerc wow. I'll just say that name Serge Leclerc and his picture was on the poster he was a cellmate of mine in Kingston a dozen years earlier and we're gonna hold right there now listen people of God Ted has written this uh, powerful book. He will be talking about this book uh, um, um, when he finishes off 
in our next segment as he talks about his former settlement and he's going to talk to us about um, life after prison as well as how he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and we'll be looking also his work his current work in ministry he's been featured by many television networks uh, you can google his name you will see some of the works that he's doing you see God is interested in any life uh, our God is always working in the background our God is always searching for the lost the, the, the story and the testimony of Tade will move you, will empower you, will definitely change your perspective on life, knowing that there is a God of mercy, the God of grace, who is interested in your life anytime, any day. You don't have to give up. Just like God did not give up on Tade, and today is using him mightily around the world. And that's why you're watching here on KITV, as well as listening uh, here in Canada on faith fm radio you listening to this man because god has done and he continues to do an incredible work in and through him may the lord bless you and may the lord keep you i encourage you to watch part two of uh, ted Knowles's uh, testimony god bless you until then shalom shalom faith is the currency of the kingdom of god Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at kazumbacharles.com and share your testimony.